Who needs to work out when you're working out like that? Glory. That is quite a song. Amen. And, uh, you know, I, I know that, that so many, I have got to get a drink here. Thank you, sir. Uh, I, I know that, that, hold on a minute. Let's sing that again. Anyhow, um, I, I know for me that that song just sums up probably all of the greatest hymnals of all time. And they really resonate uh, with me, and I think for each and every one of us, because church, if it wasn't for the old rugged cross, if we couldn't say because he lives, if it wasn't for, you know, us for saying how great thou art, or the, the greatest song of all times written in a time when men were in slavery, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Today we're going to be talking about breakdown or breakthrough, but if you would please take your Bible and grab it with me if you would, as we say our uh, Bible covenant, and I want you to hold it nice and high. Are you proud to have the Word of God? Hallelujah. There might come a day when we won't have the Word of God, and if you have the Word of God and it's full of pages, you never have to worry about your iPhone, iPad, uh, your car, your whatever else you might have. Your laptop's going dead. Because this will never go dead. Amen. Ooh, that's a message in itself. All right. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Hallelujah. If you would, please turn in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 27. 1 Samuel chapter 27. As we talk about... One of the greatest men of God of all times. And as I've been going through this series of messages about uh, breakthrough church, we are in the middle of a revival. We are in the middle of a time when the church needs a breakthrough, when the Holy Spirit needs to come in and rip apart people's lives, rip apart the church, prepare it for his great return. This past week, you know, we had a, we had an issue. And the issue was this, how can we get all these boxes out? And for those that came and packed this past Wednesday, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for your work of, of, uh, and heart for outreach and being diligent in regard to getting these shoes packed. We're able to get over 1,000 pairs of shoes packed to UPS. But let me tell you this, sometimes it's just difficult to have a breakthrough when you have so many obstacles. The first obstacle was this. Number one, I sat down front. The Imani Choir came, and as, they, as they, they were singing, the Lord laid on my heart. He said, get some shoes, get them sent. Get them to Uganda. I stood up here. I challenged the church. You, as a church, decided to go ahead and take on uh, collecting shoes, and that you did. This congregation of 125 people were able to bring in over 1,000 pairs of shoes. Hallelujah. Amen. And so I applaud you for, for your sacrifice. I applaud you for your heart. That tells me a lot about the heartbeat of this ministry. And then I also want to say thank you for those that came out and said, yes, I will be there to pack them. I will be there. And if you need my, my money, and Lord knows you never tell a preacher that. We always need your money. Anyhow, uh, if, if you need help monetarily to get them shipped, we'll get them shipped. Well, just to let you know that I, I, I put a uh, word out to Pastor Moses. I emailed Pastor Moses. I called Pastor Moses. I text Pastor Moses. And Pastor Moses is the one who actually runs uh, the Imani uh, School and the Imani Outreach Program in Uganda. And so even though they were here and God placed that on my heart, I, I started to become very, very discouraged. And I started to break down and I started to lose hope and faith. And, and I thought to myself... God, why would you place this on my heart when I know in reality that, God, you're going to do something. You're going to use this church. These are going to go where you need them to go. But why isn't he calling me back and come to find out, as, as I shared on Wednesday night, uh, if you'll notice on the screen, when they were here, they made the comment that they were building a school. And so they were able to raise the funds to build the school for the uh, orphan children, which I praise God for. But I still couldn't understand. I just wanted to get these shoes, you know, to Uganda and so God says, listen, I'm greater than you are, Todd. I'm bigger than you are, Todd. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and my ways are better than your ways. And don't you worry. I didn't say to send them to Uganda. I told you to collect shoes. 
okay, God, Lord, I confess. And, and, you know, so we say we have faith, but yet all of a sudden we start to break down and we start to waver in our Christian life because things aren't turning out the way we want them to turn out. They don't look the way we thought they would look. We thought, well, we'll just go ahead and, you know, what am I going to do now? The people are going to think, preacher's lost his mind. Now we have a room full of shoes that stunk up the whole basement, but it was a great reminder of what we did. And, uh, you know, and it was just awesome to, to go in that room and just to stop and reflect. But I must tell you this, that Diane Shaber came up to me. Now, let me back up this train just a little bit. You know, we put up some signs. I told Leslie about it. Leslie says, I'll get the boxes. We'll start collecting them. And she came in and she said, it's going to be souls for Uganda's souls. And if you'll notice on the box, they said souls for souls. Well, I didn't even realize that there was a, uh, a program that was out there, souls for souls. That's S-O-L-E-S for S-O-U-L-S. was unaware of that, and, you know, and I kept thinking, okay, how am I going to get these to Uganda? What can I do to, why am I popping like this? Okay, maybe that'll help a little bit. And, uh, and, and so I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and, and we'll see what will happen and how this will all play out. And, and so I told uh, Diane Shaber, she says she has a friends with Souls for Souls, and she says, let me look into it. And they take shoes by the groves, by the millions, by the thousands, and for one, they'll send them out. And I started thinking about this and praying, and I thought, nope, got to do it one more time. Dear Pastor Moses, could you please contact me? Yes, I will on Monday. Waited around the house, no contact. I don't know if he got busy, and uh, I don't know what happened, but I do know this that God didn't want them to go to Uganda. And so in the midst of my breakdown, I started to have a breakthrough. And in that breakthrough, I started realizing that, you know, within, you know, my own wavering faith and my own doubt and mistrust, God started to to really work some things out. Well, we got got some money in in regard to, to the shoes, and we were able to get some boxes and tape them up. And, you know, so Diane Shaver, she did some research. She was able to go to... Uh, Zulu, Zuku, Zaba, Ziba, what is that called? Zappo. Zappa? That sounds like a rock band. Zappa. Frank Zappa. Who is he with? Oh, he's himself? Okay. Is he a singer? Oh, okay, gotcha. So it's called Zappa? Zappo, not Zappa. See, I knew it. I may not listen to rock and roll music. My kids laugh every time I say rock and roll, but is he even rock? What does he sing? Oh, he's in his own world, kind of like your pastor. Okay, back to the message. Anyhow, so as we talk about this breakdown or breakthrough, we realized that we were able to get um, from Zappa, O, I before E except after C, A, E, I, O, U. Let me figure out about Zappo. Okay, so we were able to get Zappo. Zappo was able to get them out, and we didn't have to pay anything. This is great. So Wednesday night, we're packing them. Everybody ate. We're having a great time. Russ fed us well like he always does every single time we have these meals. And so we, we, we ate and we got fat and we started to become lazy. But then we realized we had these shoes to pack. We packed the shoes. See, we were breaking down physically. But all of a sudden, this wasn't even in my message today. i got to write this down. Anybody have a pen? Um, but as we were getting a little slothful, we all said, we got to get these things packed. So we pack them. And so Matt Black takes off work, and, um, you know, he comes in on Friday. The guys are working in, in the church, getting some things done. And uh, so Matt gets them loaded. He and I take them to UPS, and all of a sudden we get there. I'm excited. We're going to drop these boxes off. They are packed. Their, their postage is on it. We did everything like we were supposed to, and I was going to have a major breakthrough until the UPS guy came out, and he had a breakthrough too because he walked around that trailer, and he started punching and hitting the top of every single box. You know what I did? I started to get a little bit upset. I'm like, what are you doing, Willis? And it's the kind, loving, generous, patient. Am I doing good, Matt? Okay, uh, all right. He was there and he was watching as he was sitting in the truck. Do you expect me to repack these boxes? Do you know how to pack these boxes? I said, was I supposed to take a class? I didn't know. I mean, I really didn't know. I was just kind of like, I don't know. So the tape was on their church. 
we don't just tape a box with one thing of tape. That doesn't hold up when you t chuck them in a UPS semi-trailer. So as he did this, there was only this many shoes. That's what I tried telling you. See, you got this much room, and you expect me to spend all day long packing these? I'd have to cut every one of them out. You need to follow me in. So I followed him. Right then, this overwhelming sense of, here I go, right to the principal's office. <laughs> so this is what it feels like. So anyhow, uh, so I walk in right behind him, and Matt hears me say, well, I didn't ask you to break them down. Pastor, be loving. Be kind. Well, I was, hard, I was having a breakdown. I'm thinking, you mean to tell me now I have to take all these back to the church. Now we have to cut them down so that the shoes that are this big. And I told him, I said, well, we kept them under the 25 pounds. That the shoes were this much in here and we had this much space up here. He's like, no, you got to break them down because if you put a box on top of it, it'll crush it. Well, that's logical. That makes quite a bit of sense to me. I get it now. And so all of a sudden. He says, I'm going to go talk to the supervisor. And I waited and I texted my wife and I was crying the boohoo story and given, you know, don't you guys love emojis? You get that little red face emoji and uh, not the other one, just the red face emoji. OK, <laughs> so anyhow, I was, you know, I'm texting her. She's like, Todd, you know, we'll work it out. I know she's she's calming my breakdown. And all of a sudden I, I just he comes out and here she comes. I'm like, God, favor. This has got to be my breakthrough. God, help me get through this. I walk back outside and she looks at it. And Mr. Nice Man, it's an oxymoron, okay. Uh, Mr. Nice Man turns around and goes, yeah, these are his boxes and they're half full. Look at this one. Rip. See, the tape isn't on it like it should be. Look at this one over here. And he starts flapping the, the because, yeah, just to tell you, we're driving down the road. Matt goes, Hey, Pastor, I think we're getting ready to lose the label back there. And I went, we are. Oh, no. You know, so before we get there, the thing's flapping in the wind. And, oh, it was it was really a sight for sore eyes. And so she comes out and she goes, so you're Pastor Todd. And I said, yes. And then trying to, be, like, find favor with this. Yeah, well, can you guys, I don't want to take these back to the church and pack them today. I'll take us all in. Please don't do this to me. And all of a sudden she goes, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to. I've got some people here today. I'll just have our staff do it throughout the course of the day. I appreciate what you've done. We're going to go ahead and we'll, we'll cut them down. We'll repack them. And she said, we'll get them shipped. But in the future, you know, you need to make sure that you know that they need to truly be really taped down. And I mean a ton of tape. That's great. Meanwhile, Mr. Nice Guy was standing there. And as he's, you know, looking at her with the fire red eyes. He's like, okay, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down to that bay, make a left pull in there. I want you to pull in. You guys are going to unload them. Now, we want them this way on the conveyor belt, blah, blah, blah. So Matt and I pull in. We load them up on the conveyor belt. We get in there. And all of a sudden, here he comes. Wait for me. <clears throat> I looked at Is there sound? Okay. And you know what? The Holy Spirit spoke to me before I even came out here today, and he said, Preacher, check those batteries, and I didn't. Well, Lord, you are right again. 
I was opening up that door, and I didn't check my batter. So anyhow, we were back to the... Okay. I'm going to teach you men how to pack a box. Now, I loved it that he was 70 years old, and he was as old as... Um, yeah. And um, as Ron Unk. And uh, so anyhow... <laughs> So, so anyhow, this message is getting funner all the time. Uh, so he, Matt and I look at each other and we're like, we have already been here for an hour and now we're having pack your shoebox class. So meanwhile, we stood aside and he gets out his razor blade. This is called a razor blade. And I'm not kidding you, Matt, was it kindergarten class? This is a razor blade and this is how you cut a box. Now, you scar the box in the corner, and then you want to make sure that when you go around it that you can fold it down, and you can do this, and you can do that, and you tape it like this, and you tape it like that. Now, flip it over, and we need to tape it like this and tape it like that, and make sure that the, the, the mailing address is up here, and you tape it like this, and you tape it like that. I heard tape it like this and tape it like that a hundred times. Now, I just want to say I know how to tape it like this and tape it like that. And so in the middle of my breakthrough, I started to have another breakdown. I'm like, I've got to get out of here. Now, let's check Vic's box. Boom. He hits that one. See, that's what I'm talking about. Rip off the tape. Good job, volunteers. He rips the tape off. We skew it like this. We skew it like that. We do this. We do that. We, we tape it like this. We tape it like that. And I'm like, good. We got it. He hits another one. You're right, Ryan. Hits another one. And I'm, I'm really thinking to myself, i got to get out of here. So finally, I, I start backing up. I look at Matt, I'm like, thanks a lot. We really appreciate all you've done. You know, thanks. We'll make sure that next time we pack shoes, Matt's looking at, I'm backing up around the front of the truck. Meanwhile, the guy's still taping like this and taping like that. And, and he came to this place where he, you know, he's like looking at us. I'm actually all the way around the other side of the truck, giving him the, the pageant wave, the parade wave while Matt's standing there stuck. Taping it like this and taping it like that. So I just want all of you to know we did have a breakthrough. We pulled out of there and we hightailed it right out of UPS. And I said to God, God, thank you for helping us to do things like this and to do things like that. And, uh, you know, I say all that just to say when I talk about a breakdown or a breakthrough, there are circumstances. Did you feel it today? Did I help you journey through that with us? But in the midst of sometimes our trials and tribulations, we have a difficult time remembering what God is trying to do for all of us. I started to lose my focus on what happened the day that the Holy Spirit led me to say, let's get these shoes out of here. You start to lose sight that where these shoes are going and the families that will be blessed and the lives that will be changed, all because we did something and we listened to the voice of God. You see, we have, a, we have a, a tendency to try to reason with God. We have a tendency to try to excuse our behavior when we realize that God is always working things out for us. And we'll start telling ourselves, you know, I'm just going to stop here. And yes, I realize the man was difficult, but I think he was frustrated. And while he was taping like this and taping like that, he made, he must have told us five times, well, you know, I'm supposed to be watching the front desk. Now I'm back here. I can't watch the front desk if I'm back here in the warehouse. We got it. And so I had to remind myself that I am anointed, that I am creative, that I am gifted, that I am successful, that I have favor of God, and that I'm a victor, not a victim, that God loves me. And I'm a winner, and I'm also a whiner. I mean, and I shouldn't be a whiner. And I realize that I'm valuable to God. You know, we've been, we've been speaking about breakthrough and trying to get through, you know, what is it that we face in our own life of anxiety, discouragement, and depression? When we don't, when things don't go our way, we lose sight of who God is. And so today, as we look at this, and I'll do this quickly, 1 Samuel 27, 1 says, And David said in his heart, I shall now one day perish by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. Now I can tell you right here that David is having a faith breakdown. Discouragement has gotten a hold of him. And now David is believing for the worst. 
Fear is faith in reverse. Do you hear me? Fear is faith in reverse. I want to talk to you today about discouragement, where it can lead us and how, it, how to overcome it. And sometimes discouragement comes very, very suddenly. And I realized that Friday it came in two ways, by word and in deed. Amen, Hendrick. Good job. These words in our opening text are spoken by the man. Listen, David faced a lion. He faced a bear. And he also faced a giant. A man anointed by God, and he was the king of Israel. He was a friend of God, and he was a man after God's own heart. That's David. And church, I want you to know, if discouragement can get a hold on him, it can attack us. So we must know how to fight it. Break down or break through. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. Help me in the next few minutes just to be able to communicate your word, to be able to express your word. Lord, to, to say what you once said. Father, I glorify you today. I praise your holy name. I thank you that there was a breakthrough, even at the UPS office. Father, bless us today. We ask that your anointing would fall and flow. If there's somebody here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, today is their day of salvation. In your holy name we pray. Amen. David said, back in that text, I should one day perish by Saul's hand. That's breakdown. Listen to me, church. If we live a life of heartache and heartbreak and the lives that we the lives that we live make us to continue to reflect on yesterday, we'll never be able to press forward where God wants to take us. We have a destiny. God knows what it is. We have to realize that in our walk and in our life, David said, here's where I'm at, here's what I'm going to do. And the man that's, that went out and took down a giant, the Philistine giant, decides that now he's going to go in the same camp with the Philistines, with the king, and then he decides to sup with them and sleep with them and fest with them. It doesn't take long, church, till all of a sudden when you start to have a breakdown that your fellowship with Almighty God starts to become distant. That our relationship with the Savior becomes distant. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. If we don't hide his words in our heart, we start to sin against God. We start to break down. We start to fall away. We start losing sight of our relationship, of who family is, the friendships that we've built, the community of believers that you have that are with you until you realize, as Paul said in Philippians chapter 9, verses 19 and 20, Paul said, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation. Through your prayer and the supply of Jesus Christ. I love this part of this text. He says in here, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. That's a breakthrough. Paul knew it. It doesn't matter. For my earnest expectations, I don't know what to expect. But I know I have faith in God to pull me through. I know that through Jesus Christ, I know I can get through this. In the 19th chapter of 1 Kings, we find Elijah having a breakdown. He went a day's journey into the wilderness, sat down under a tree and said, It is enough. Take my life. You know what happened? Here is a man of God. And all of a sudden, Jezebel starts to go after him. Now listen, when people start to come after you, start getting excited, doing a dance. Did I do it right, Victoria? Do, do I need to do like a robot? Yeah. And uh, so, you know what? We need to get excited because I realize that even with God, we can have a major breakthrough. Here's, the, here's our problem. That Elijah, one of the greatest prophets. We have Elisha. We have Elijah. 
There he goes. He runs to the wilderness to get away because Jezebel's out to get him. Because they were all bowing down to false idols. There was worship taking place. And listen, church, God will still journey with you because you're his child. He says he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never forget you. He knows your name. And just because you think you're going to go to the wilderness and hide out and hang out, oh, no, you're not hiding from him because he, when he comes to find you, where will you be? But he still loves you in the midst of it. So in this game of hide-and-go-seek, he goes and gets under a tree until he falls asleep. And this angel says, listen, you need to get up. You're getting tired. And now what I want you to do is, Diane Shaver, can you click that heat down just a little bit? And is it getting hot? Or is it just the pastor that's getting hot in here? Oh, okay. Go to the left there. There you go. Praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, at this age and having hot flashes, it's just, it's difficult. Um, but anyhow, <laughs> so... So anyhow, back to the message. So he's under the tree and the angel of the Lord comes to him and he says to him, hey, get up, go get some food. Now, here's a man of God who all of a sudden starts to question himself. And he says, no, now what I want you to do is get up and go. And so he gets there. But when he reaches his destination in the cave, the Lord appears to him and starts to speak to him and starts telling him what's going to take place. Meanwhile, as he was still in this cave hiding out, all this turmoil is taking place out in the world, and God's raining down his wrath. All of a sudden, there's a breakdown because God did not like sin nor honor sin, and he still doesn't. He says, if we shall confess our sins, he's what? He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we have to live a holy, righteous life. So we notice that here he was. Elijah was having a breakdown, but all of a sudden he starts to have a breakthrough and God comes through and starts to anoint him and bless him. What would have happened if he had just gave up altogether? I often think of this church. Oh, a year and a half ago, I was telling Steve in the office today, having shingles, one of the worst things I've ever experienced in my life and was on my face. And it was just, it's an awful feeling. If you've never had shingles, you don't want to get them. And uh, but it felt like somebody was stabbing me right in the temple and, uh, you know, it swelled up and I had those blisters and so forth. But I realized that in the midst of my breakdown that God was comforting me. I felt I almost felt like this, even though I was had medication, I felt as if God was healing me. And I love when he brings me to a place where I'm laying down, I'm looking up and I started noticing that I started praying more and God was with me during those days uh, of sickness. But In the midst of my breakdown, I started feeling the presence of God. Caleb, he requests his land. Wow, what a major breakthrough he had in Joshua 14, 6 through 12. When he was 85 years old, he said, I've waited 45 years to give me that mountain. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out. He said, that's a breakthrough. He waited for this land. He waited for 45 years and church. Years ago, we went down to where the old Nissan building was on Talmadge Avenue. And at that building, there was a big sign that said for sale. We wanted to look at it. A bunch of us went down there. We're like, this is great. Two, two uh, lanes this way, two lanes that way. We can, have, we can bring in Big Daddy Weave and all kinds of stuff with our thoughts and, you know, have casting crowns and do concerts there and really reach out to the community. But God closed the door. And, and we realized that in the very end, I started feeling a, a little sense of, okay, I think I'm having a breakdown here. You know, we wanted to move where people could see us. There's a main road, and, and we could do more outreach. And, but I didn't realize at the time, even though there was grass behind it and the potential seemed great, I didn't see the future. So you see, God sees everything. He hears everything. I didn't know that there was some, some scuttlebutt going on behind my, my back. And realizing that because of all that taking place, God spared us from purchasing a building that I don't think we would have been able to afford. They wanted $650,000 for that building. And we realized that buy right is in there now, and and they went back and forth. So in the midst of me feeling like, oh, no, what am I going to do? You know, I kept saying, God, I love this church. I love this church building. I mean, 
I've got a letter underneath this platform for whoever decides to rip it out 50 years from now. We all signed our name, you know, but this is not our idol. Jesus Christ is our idol. This is a building. We are the community. We are the body of Christ. And that's what we have to embrace. We have to understand our responsibility. And so even though that went away, when this whole thing just took place on this property, church, if you weren't here last week, God gave us a million-dollar property for $125,000. A million-dollar property. Amen. Praise the Lord, because He needs to be glorified. So God gives us a million-dollar property, 10 acres, a parsonage. We can build a gym. We can do outreach. It's on Southeast Avenue. And I love this church building. I had a meeting with the Nepali this week. And even though at one point I thought they were going to have a breakdown, I started to see a breakthrough. And, and, you know, we start realizing that God's in control. God knows what we're doing. God knows who we need to reach. Do you understand that this week word has already gotten out that new hope Christian fellowship is moving in? I went to get my hair cut. A lady, as soon as I walked in the door, she said, Pastor Todd. I'm like, I felt like a big deal at that moment. And I'm like, I knew who she was, but, and, you know, I'm like, oh, hi, you know, I've been there going there for years, but uh, she's like, I Googled Jeff. I heard you guys are buying the church. I can't wait to come. You know, isn't that amazing? So the word has already gotten out. Praise the Lord. And, and so, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's just the way God uses people. And so I want to do more for families. I want to do more for children. And I can, you get a gymnasium, you can do events for families, you can do events for kids. There's so much you can do. And church, we tried to build out here. I got discouraged. I could show you the, the architectural drawings, and it discouraged me because that all went south. They, they, they said, you're landlocked. We can't go here. We can't go there. You can't go out front. You can't do I'm like, oh, brother. But now I realized that just like Caleb, Caleb didn't lose his way in 45 years. We've been at this for 14 years come this September. And we just have to keep preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter. You know, people, people can say, well, you're not preaching to a thousand. Why are you moving? I said, I'm moving because God gave opportunity. You move when God says move. That's what we do. We don't move because we, yeah, I just went to the car show. Sure, I'd like to get into some automobiles, but I cannot afford a $103,000 Lincoln Navigator. I could just touch it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I, when I sat in it and they said it was $103,000, I went, Lord Jesus, get out of this ride right now. Woo! I was like, get me out of here. But I realize that many of us should be able to see that discouragement will stop your breakthrough. Let's look at where discouragement led David back in our opening text. David went to live with the Philistines. He moved in with the enemy. People today become discouraged sometimes in church or become hurt, pierced, and they want to run back out into the world. I'm sick of them. I am sick of Todd. I'm sick of his wife. I'm sick of his children. I can't stand those deacons or those trustees. I can't stand the way that those seats make me feel when I sit there for an hour. I just have to run out of the building because it's either too hot or it's too cold. We sit on a hill. I want to be in the valley. Whatever it might be, you know, that's just what it is. So we allow and we realize that discouragement can get to all of us. Listen, God is not causing you trouble. And you won't escape the enemy by running into his kingdom. Let me repeat that. God is not causing your trouble. And you won't escape the enemy by running into his kingdom. Be very, very careful. Verse 2 of 1 Samuel, it says this, David fled into Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. David and his men had killed their best warriors but the Philistine king received him and made him feel welcome. Hmm. When the enemy comes to you in the middle of the night, when the enemy comes to you and he says, let go, they're not worth it. Your next move when you stay walking and talking with God could be the breakthrough that you were praying for for the previous 25 years. People need hope in our Savior. People need hope in God. Don't you worry. 
the world will always take you back. But be wary. The devil is a liar. The world will tell you the church doesn't love you, but they do. And verse 12 tells us and lets us know that the king really had in mind for David. He said he shall be my servant forever. That's what happens when you visit Ziklag. It will take your life and the devil will own you. Ziklag, the place of despair, the place of abandonment, the place of emptiness, a place where Satan feasts and thrives and has a party in your name. Be very, very careful. When the devil is tempting you to return to the world, tells you the Christians don't understand you and the church doesn't love you, just remember Samson. All the devil really wants is for you to go to sleep for a little while and he can get your chains ready. He wants you to be his servant forever. And he wants you to live in this place like David in a place called Ziklag. So how do we fight discouragement? There are spiritual weapons against discouragement. Psalms 43.5 says this, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. You see, discouragement is never found until hope is lost or hope is misplaced. Misplaced means hope placed somewhere other than in God. Misplaced means hope placed somewhere other than in God. Own ability, doctors, lawyers, bankers, retirements. These things are all right, but we should not put our hope in them. But church, today we're talking about a hope that's found in the Bible. Not to be confused with wishing, Bible hope means to be intensely expectant. To be insanely expectant. To be intensely expectant. A pregnant woman isn't wishing for a baby. She is expecting a baby. Remember what Paul said, according to my earnest expectation and my hope. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Bible hope is a spiritual force that hooks up to faith like a thermostat on a furnace or the steering wheel on a car. The Bible places hope between faith and charity. It's powerful, isn't it? So how do I find hope? In Romans 15, 4, it says this, For whatever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. I love that's in the King James and the New Living Translation says the Scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises. And last night, I just thought I would take, and, and as we begin to close here, I, I just want you to know that I had great joy where it says, let's recall the promises of God. God promises salvation to all who believe in His Son. God promises that all things will work out for good for His children. God promises comfort in our trials. God God promises spiritual blessings, blessings in Christ. God promises to finish the work he started in us. God promises peace when we pray. God promises to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus promises rest. Jesus promises abundant life to those who follow him. Jesus promises eternal life to those who trust him. Jesus promises his disciples power from on high. And Jesus promises that he will Praise God. You see, there are many more promises of God like that that are listed and that are found in the Bible. All of them find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. The Bible says it's the radiance of God's glory. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yet in Christ. We could go on with hope, but David mentioned another weapon in Psalms 43.5. He says, for I shall yet praise him. Psalm 71 says, but I will hope continually and yet praise thee more and more. Praise will bring a manifestation of God's presence. Praise will bring a manifestation of God's presence. Praise will bring a manifestation of God's presence. Praise will bring a manifestation of God's presence.
last night I, I paused in, in doing my message and I just stopped and reflected. will bring a manifestation of God's presence. Isaiah 61, 3 says, you have been given a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Romans 15, 5 says, may God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. And then in verse 6, then all you can join together with one voice giving praise and glory to God. The Father. Satan is a liar. And he wants you to believe that you're a failure. He wants you to believe that you're not alone in your journey. You're never alone. God is with you. He is for you. And even through death, sometimes we feel an emptiness. Sometimes we just can't seem to get out of it. Know that God is with you. He says that he comforts us through the valley of the shadow. He said, listen, don't you fear no evil. So I stand up here before all of you today. And I speak the truth. David never stayed discouraged. And neither did Elijah. And you don't need to. So as a wrap up today. In Acts 16, 25 through 34, Paul and Silas praise their way out of prison and say, thank God. I'm not going to read it. But I love that these two men were singing, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul. And they were singing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And they were saying, if God before us, who shall be against us? For he is my healer. He is my promise keeper. He is my way maker. And I trust in Him. He is our healer, and He is going to free us today. And when God spoke and they were freed, they jumped out of that cell. Because no chain could keep them down. Nobody can keep them down. An addiction couldn't keep them down. The words of the enemy couldn't keep them down. Your ex might say things about you, but you don't have to believe it. You need to realize that those at work, when you walk in, might look at you and give you a stare up and down. But you don't have to receive what they have to say. And you know what? God is already working things out for your good because He loves you, He cares for you, and He is the way maker. He is the promise keeper. He is the healer. He is the anointed one that gives us life and gives it to us abundantly. So thank you, Lord. Church, when discouragement comes, start praising Him. Start praising Him. Start praising Him. Start praising Him. Start worshiping Him. Start praising Him. When things seem like I can't pay my bill, you praise the Lord. You don't have any money to pay the bill. Start praising Him. When your health starts to fade, start praising Him. When all of a sudden you know that the enemy's on your heels to pick up another can of beer, and to put you right back to that pit where you were at, you say, thank you, God, because you're for me, and I don't care who's against me. I'm a winner. That's your breakthrough. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm living my life focused on Him. When God starts speaking to you and He says to you, you know what, today is my day of victory. You say, God, I receive it, and I'm living and walking in it. And I give you the blessing, Joe. So church, I'm going to ask you to do something. We're going to do something different. We're going to take five minutes, maybe seven. We're going to praise Him. And if there's something that you can praise the Lord for, I'm going to walk through this congregation. I want you to go like this. And I want you to speak into the mic. And when you say, well, that mic kind of intimidates me, you could say one word. I praise Him for He's faithful. But in order to get out of our discouragement and to give Him credit for our victory, then we have to have a victory chant. And David knew that. So David said, today I'm going to praise him in the midst of my storm. So if you, if you have something you want to say, I want to praise him.
want you to just slip your hand up. I gave you a few minutes to think about it. But we all have something to praise him for. Did you make it to church today? Hallelujah. We praise him. He is good. So let's go ahead. Right here. My wife and my sons. Hallelujah. My wife and my sons. Praise God. Karen. I am thankful for serving and being able to have my family. Hallelujah. Who else? For my family, I praise the Lord for my health while I've had all these years. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I praise God for sending me and Becca to Maine 15 and 17 years ago. It's mine. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> That's how we all got here. I'm thankful for the fact that I get to get up and work out every morning and I get to go to work. Not that I have to, but I get to. Praise God. Hallelujah. Anybody else? I'm over here. I praise God for salvation. Hallelujah. For salvation. Anybody else? Anyone else? Up, coming real way. Second chances. Hallelujah. Second chances. Praise God. Who else wants to praise God for something? Lift your hand up. Anybody else? I praise God that I sinned and before he died for me and my family. Hallelujah. Isn't that true? Amen. That God gave us an ability we couldn't possibly even imagine. It's just like more of us than we can even think of ourselves. Amen. Hallelujah. Anybody else have a praise? Come on, church. Don't say later on, I was going to say this. Let's just praise the Lord. All right, hold on a minute. I praise him for the word. Hallelujah. We praise him for the word. Anybody else? Over here. Nevada. Okay, I'm coming. I praise him for my siblings. Hallelujah. I praise him for my siblings. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. I praise God just for being here today and being able to sit next to this wonderful woman. And, and uh, I just praise God for being in the room today because I can feel his spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Kenny. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Ron Onk, you had your hand up. Hallelujah. Praise God. I praise him for the joy. Hallelujah. Boy, Satan wants to rob us of our joy, doesn't he? But we can praise him because we have it. His mercies are new every day. Praise God for his mercy and his grace. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Nick. Yeah, man, I just want to um, thank him for being able to make it back here for the first time in a while. All the people in my life and my siblings as well. God, we're, we're glad you're here. Even though we praise the Lord for you. Praise God. Anyone else? Something you wanted to share. Yes, Beth. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? It's okay. My kids are here. Hallelujah. And your grandbabies and this cool dude. That's right. That has a cool tattoo. And uh, anybody else? Okay. I just want to say, I praise God that he is sent. That he is gracious. That he is loving. That he picks me up when I fall. That he turns my face towards him when I feel my sin. And I'm thankful that when my faith wavers, he reminds me of his promises. That he'll never leave me. That he'll always supply all of my needs according to his word. I'm thankful for a God that uses me 
in the clean world, in the pulpit, with my family. And I just praise God that I have the, the great privilege, thank you God, to hear what your word has to say. Lord, to speak to the hearts and souls of your people. I praise God that even right now in the midst of this wind, you are the master of the wind. Isn't that awesome? I praise God for his majesty. I praise him for his provisions. I praise him for an annual board meeting when most pastors aren't present. And I praise him that he will always bring a manifestation of his presence whenever I cry out to him. And so let's all stand to our feet and let's just applaud God for he is worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. We're going to sing a song that we haven't sung in a while, and Lord laid that on my heart. It's called Hear Our Praises. And church, I want God to hear our praises. I want him to hear our cry. And I know that, that you know, he is there. Jesus Christ promises rest and abundant life and eternal life. And he gives us power from on high. And he will return to us one day. And God is faithful. And I, even though I walked away from Talmadge Avenue, I can walk into Southeast Avenue. I can come to Riverside Drive. And I have seen God do works in this building that it's just what will go down in the history of my life. I'm thankful that he is always there to sustain and keep me focused. Because, man, the enemy wants us to lose sight. Your testimony, your praise to him was heard. So let's pray. Father God, we praise you. You heard our praises. And so, Lord, we, we receive your blessings. From the ends of the earth to the depths of the sea, may you hear our praises. May they be lifted high. May we, may we rejoice and glorify your holy name. Oh, God, let this church just be a radiant of light. Let this community be a light for so many people that are walking in darkness. Let your word resonate in our testimony through our walk, our talk, our prayer life, that people will say, wow, look at the manifestation of the power of God in that person. Oh, God, we surrender to you. We give you all of us. And in the midst of our breakdown, Lord, we rejoice that you are with us that you are walking with us, that you're kneeling with us. Lord, that your arms are wrapped around us. Thank you, God, for loving us when we feel unloved. Father, we sing so that you'll hear our praises. Lord, hear us today as we worship you. And all God's